0: Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck. What is up with the skyrocketing real estate prices here in the Treasure Valley? Are we in a bubble? Should you wait before you buy a new home? This week, I sit down and chat with Austin Whiting, a local property developer, owner, and manager who has a background in economics. He helps shed some light on why real estate prices have shot up so quickly and what we can all do to avoid large corporations from taking over local land development. Enjoy. Thanks for coming in and chatting, Austin. Uh, we're sitting with Austin Whiting, and he is a local expert on the real estate market, I will say. You're
1: not a realtor. Oh, no, no. I'm not a realtor, although I have much respect for realtors. I'm just uh, excited to be here and be your you know, least talented guest. I want to <laughs> come here and claim my title. You've got a lot of talented guests in here, so I'm excited to be part of it. Well,
0: I after our conversation that we just had before recording, I don't know if that will necessarily be true. You're very knowledgeable in the history of real estate, and you're very knowledgeable in what we have going on right now here in the Treasure Valley, which if you're on social media, a lot of people have complained that I've seen about the rising housing prices. And there's a lot of blame that gets passed around People moving in from out of state, yada yada yada. There's there's a lot of fingers being pointed there that I have seen. Right. However, it was an enlightening conversation that we have, um, that we had before recording this. That that's not necessarily the case because there's a huge demand shortage. Excuse me. There's a huge su- supply shortage throughout the entire country right now.
1: Yeah, that's right. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: Okay, so if we want to compare this to like 2008, I think there are people out there that are kind of worried about or waiting for housing prices to collapse again. Mm -hmm. So 2008, that was a artificial demand increase, right, based on financial instrumentation of the mortgages.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: Okay, so we had a lot of people that were just rushing out, buying houses, buying extra houses that they didn't necessarily need because it was so easy to qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, they were creating financial instruments, selling them as A-grade, and so it was just a bunch of bunk loans.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Chuck knows way more than he's leading on. Okay, so,
0: <laughs> so that was 2008. Yeah, yeah, but that's right. But in, in your perspective, you don't see a giant dip coming anytime soon.
1: No, I don't think so. I think that that crash was so unprecedented, and uh, mainly because of the extreme government intervention. That was happening that would negatively affect the real estate market that there were so many unqualified people getting loans and then those bad loans being sold and then people investing in those loans that created like well I mean what they describe as a bubble of course that popped over time but because that's not the case now there's only a low supply happening or a supply shortage that's happening now that's not government-caused it's just It's just the lack of houses and people willing to invest at this time. And so like my my message is it's never a bad time to get into the real estate market because hopefully you have that property for 30 years. And as you have it for 30 years, like the value is going to increase over time. And so it's very, very different than 2008, like you're saying.
0: Okay. And you have an interesting perspective, I think, as well as a property manager because we were chatting before and you have this long-term vision as far as how you manage your properties.
1: Mm-hmm. We were yeah, we were right. talking
0: about my neighbors, my former neighbors and now I have new neighbors because I have a rental uh, right next door to me and it's a big conglomerate that rents out properties that continually raises the monthly rent an exorbitant amount mm-hmm. as the market dictates. Yeah, right. So I think it's interesting for you to explain kind of like how you take a long-term approach when it comes to tenants, when it comes to real estate as well, because you're actually looking to buy right now, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm always looking to buy, looking for a good deal on the buying end. But like you said, uh, when we manage properties, then we're looking to have that tenant in there for a very long time. As long of time as they are not uh, you know, ready to buy a, their, a house themselves or move on or invest in real estate themselves, you know? So uh, I think that it's pretty short-sighted to have six-month, one-year contracts and then kick someone out and then raise the rent $300 and get in another one. Like, I, I understand that that's um, that might be profitable in the short term, but the amount of, uh, what I've seen is the amount of money you save from a property management standpoint of having the same renters in there that you trust, good renters that pay all the time, um, even if the rent's a little lower and you're having longer lease terms. Like, all of that is um, important for me, but it's better to build relationships. It's better to build um, effective relationships where both are mutually beneficial.
0: Does that make a difference in
1: caring for the property that you're renting out then as well? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, I mean, like, if you give a guy a lawnmower and you say, okay, this is your job, you maintain this lawn... Like, people take pride of ownership, and I don't think that that's talked about enough. It's like micromanaging, uh, like a micromanager at work. Mm-hmm. You know, if you give people the reins, they're going to surprise you. Like, they're really inherently good people around.
0: I think most people are inherently good. Oh, Except, yeah. except I don't know what it is about, and I'm going to gripe here a little bit, but I've had a lot of very bad experiences with property management. Yeah. And so, it's kind of funny to hear your long-term business perspective, because to me, it makes sense. And we had a quick conversation where I sold cars for a year. Uh, My initial sales experience was selling cars, and then I went into banking. And the difference between car sales and banking is that after you sell someone a car, you can hide as soon as they try to come back on the sales lot and return that thing right. because you never got to see him again. Yeah, you can you can get <laughs> you can get away from it. You can tell them whatever they need to hear. Get them in that vehicle and then you're completely finished. Whereas if you sell somebody uh, a home equity loan or refinance their their house into something that they can't afford on a monthly basis, it's just going to attack you and and those people will be around in the building (laughs) all the time, um, endlessly. And so it it requires a little bit of foresight as far as relationship building. So I admire the fact that you're a property manager that's not taking huge advantage of these skyrocketing rental prices and taking your tenants and being like, well, sorry, if you can't pay the bills, then I don't care what history we
1: have, but... See ya. Oh uh, yeah, right, right. Well, Peace like, out. I mean, I don't want to. I, if in case any of my tenants hear this, you have to pay your rent on time. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That's a. I think selling cars is quite a bit different. That uh, I've uh, I've bought a few really crappy cars in my life, and always thought like that salesman lied to me to my face, you know, and walked out of there. So. I uh, I and, empathize with that, and
0: it's already too late it's by the time late. by the time you sign that paper and take those keys. It's that's your car. Yeah, right. Better or worse. Better or worse. So, um, you foresee that this this increase in housing prices right now? We're currently in a little bit of a dip here in the in the Treasure Valley. You said mm-hmm. compared that's to right. where it was astronomically high. Yeah, right. over the summertime. Um, so, the the question I wanted to ask you was. Um, where do you see it going from here? You yeah, had some statistics right. about how populated the Treasure Valley is, is becoming and like how, yeah. how we're ranked in the nation. Yeah. Is that yeah. correct?
1: Yeah, thanks. No, that's, I, um, I think it's important to talk about like where we've been the last couple of years. Okay. And you've talked about people complaining about rising house prices and that no one can find a place to rent that's, you know, um, Affordable and all of those things are happening for sure. Like, uh, there's no debate on that, but we've experienced like a 32% increase of property value every year for the last four years. And so that like, is debatably unsustainable.
0: Yeah, that's and- intense. I'm just trying to do the math in my head really quickly. So, hundred thousand dollar property at that at 32% over four years, it would go at 132,000 and then a third more on top of that. So it'd be like another like forty or fifty thousand, and then the yeah. next year another sixty thousand on top of that, and the next year maybe like another seventy, so you'd be looking at a hundred thousand dollar house increase into like two hundred and fifty thousand probably
1: or two seventy five I would say that's pretty conservative okay yeah that's I mean that's what we've been dealing with, you know, mm-hmm. and so as of late, the last three months, some people have said four months, but we've seen some price decreases and um and it's mostly in the price market or in the, in the product market, rather, that's like two-bedroom, one-bath, you know, those kind of, like a smaller square footage house. Okay. And that's where the price decreases um, have been. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's start. No, no, no. It stayed pretty stable at okay. the, the two-bedroom, one-bath, or like the three-bedroom, two-bath. That has stayed pretty stable the last four months. Okay. The places where we've seen price decreases are in like those higher um, – Higher income houses, where you're five bedrooms or something like that. Okay. And that's been really taking a dip. Um, I think that uh, that that's been happening, and it's mostly a it's mostly a psychology of buyers that it can't. People are thinking it can't stay this way for that long. You know, I have to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's understandable. You know, but I, I don't foresee it just dipping right off because the government hasn't started qualifying unqualified buyers for these loans that are taken out for these houses. So I, I don't foresee this price decrease happening for a very long time, but I don't think it'll be 32% every year You know, for, a very, for five more years. It might
0: start to slow down, but you brought up another interesting point as well. So like right now, basically, we're in a supply shortage – nationwide people are coming to Idaho probably initially because the prices were they were getting priced out of their locations on the coast I'm mm. guessing or maybe some other big cities they liked yeah. Boise they came here but you said that we're we're growing enormously
1: yeah that's right that's right we're number one in job growth here in this in this uh, Treasure Valley in this metropolitan area what the United States would consider a metropolitan area oh okay wow it's really crazy and I think that I think that it's not hard to convince someone of that, you know, like there's help wanting signs everywhere, factories being built on East Boise, and there's plenty of job growth here. So it's not the, the, the lack of
0: employees doesn't have anything to do with people sitting at home collecting unemployment? <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, yeah. I was looking at that number the other day and it's, I think it's at a, a pre 2020 levels like in March, like right before the pandemic hit hard. What right is- now the unemployment. Oh like, my gosh, really? Yeah, it's 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 really low in Idaho. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So but anyway, so you said that we're number one metropolitan area for growth in the country for in the, the country. last how many years running?
1: This, that I wrote it down. Yeah, for the last three years running. Three years. Yeah. Okay. It's been it's been quite good. I don't know how we beat I don't know how we beat like the oil fields three years ago because since then it's kind of dipped off. But but that is what the statistics say, you know. And, and another interesting one is that we're th- number three in the nation for inward migration. So okay. people are moving in here at such a rate. No other, no other place. I think Austin. I should know the other cities. Austin is one. And then it's like some random place. I don't know. Okay, right but, on. But I think that those kind of things are creating this high demand that we have in housing. And so the people that are upset on the internet or in other places are justified in that people are moving here and creating this intense lack of supply. You know what I mean?
0: Okay. And with that, though, the wages are going to probably start to slingshot upward as well, I would imagine.
1: I think so. Wages are the last thing to move. Okay. You know, and so like housing prices move pretty immediately. Unemployment numbers are to follow, you know, but... Wages are the last thing.
0: Oh, okay. Is, yeah. that, is that a macroeconomic principle?
1: That is a macroeconomic principle. Okay. We yeah, should probably
0: yeah. mention that you do have a degree in economics.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. From the University of Idaho, go Vandals if you like them, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> what <else to> say. <laughs>
0: yeah, in the Treasure Valley, I guess you got to be careful of that. Yeah, that's right. No All one slashed my tires. Yeah, with the Broncos fans <laughs> out here. But Okay, so, so wages will be coming up after this initial growth spurt which I right. think it, they already have started. I'm starting to I see think. signs all over the place. Um, there are restaurants. If you just scroll through uh, the paper, you can, you can find notifications of, uh, of, I say scroll through the paper, but if you go online, I was reading them today, notifications of all these various businesses that were changing their hours. Mm-hmm. Um, if, so many of them are not open any m- longer on Sundays. It's yeah. a pain in the neck to find food on a Sunday, if you don't make it yourself, I don't oh, know yeah. if you run into that same issue now. But oh, it seems yeah. like everybody's trying to uh, balance the lack of staffing with being able to keep their restaurant open. Yeah. At those right. entry level jobs.
1: Oh, that's right. Me and my wife go and uh, try to find some place to eat, and we go, "How long did you wait?" An hour. And so we're like, "Well, pretty soon we're gonna be able to see an entire movie, come back and eat dinner," you know. Yeah, the weights are in- incredible, but I think that the wages will will follow. And the good thing about Ido is that it's very pro entrepreneurship. And there's nothing better for the rise of wages than entrepreneurship, because if you're unhappy with your wages, there's going to be a certain sect of the population that says, "Well, I can do this myself then and pay myself better." Yeah. So that's going to increase wages. I think more than any other factor besides time. Okay, that's a really good point. It is very
0: entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurial friendly here in this state, and as somebody that's trying to do videography freelance, I have noticed that people are open to it. Of course, um,
1: and supportive. Everyone you meet, well, what do you need help with? Let's let's collaborate. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's hopefully where a lot of these people are, quote unquote, finding work. Yeah, because right. it, it puts a little bit pressure on those that can't keep up with the wages on some of those entry level jobs. Where yes, we do definitely need people for that. Um, one thing I also wanted to talk to you about, Austin, is that you visit the, uh, the city meetings, the meetings about city development. Mm-hmm. Planning Here, and zoning. Planning and zoning. I'm a
1: constant ornament in the planning and zoning halls of Nampa.
0: Okay, that's really great to hear because I have never been to any of those meetings before. I've been to school board meetings when I was a teacher, which were something that I either needed to do or there was something that was compelling to me on my daily, in my daily job. Um, But you attend these meetings quite a bit. And what do you think about the general population becoming more knowledgeable on what's being presented in those meetings? And how could could civic involvement at that level, rather than getting worked up about national politics on Facebook, help people find solutions to more everyday problems versus things that they don't have any control over?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting question. I I would say... I would say that like local politics are the only shot that someone has of changing their environment now. Like We can get worked up, and we and I think that that causes a negative outcome if you get worked up about things you can't control. But local politics is something that you have a little bit of control over, you know? And um, I go to a lot of these meetings, and sometimes I'm on the agenda, and I'm trying to get something rezoned or split or something like that, and I've had nothing but good experiences with the people that work the offices i've had negative experiences with, with people attending the meetings for the sake of anti-development okay you know and so what i what i see is that that people are the same people that are upset about people moving in and that there's no the housing is too high and we can't afford rent are the same people that are trying to block development happening and causing
0: and causing an increase in prices because of the lack of new development happening
1: right right we don't we wouldn't want a development to come in next to me because that's just i have lived here for 30 years and so i wouldn't want a duplex in my neighbor's yard but i'm really upset about that my housing price that my taxes are going up you know, my property taxes are higher this year. Ah, uh, that's
0: interesting. I actually did read something that as a country, part of the supply shortage that we're experiencing right now in real estate has to do with the fact that so many local areas just don't have room or the local politicians or the, the local landowners and property owners don't want to put in large apartment buildings. Or duplexes. Wow. Or so it's it, there's an there's a density problem. There's a population density problem that's just happening everywhere in the country, but all independently.
1: Mm, right, right. That's not the case here. Okay. Excuse me. No, it's not the case here. We have so much land and so much available available development. Okay. And I think that we're at an advantage. And why it's okay. Why I'm not hesitant to say. It's okay to buy. It's okay to buy here. Don't worry about how wild the prices are. It's because we there's such a potential for growth here versus competitive cities surrounding us like Seattle, Portland, you know, major metropolitan areas that have nowhere to go, they're already grown out. Yeah. So it would be more difficult to invest there. That's uh, a really good point. So here, I mean, I don't know if you've ever drove between here and the Snake River. You know, we have yeah. so much sagebrush that could be turned into houses. And there's so many of these random lots where developers are coming to these meetings trying to develop them and are getting stonewalled because of the loud majority that show up to the meetings to stop the development. And that's creating higher housing prices and higher rents. Hmm. It's a problem we can fix.
0: That's a really interesting dance.
1: Yeah, right, right.
0: So the, the way to solve the out-of-control pricing is to just open up to let more people in.
1: To let more people in. That's what I'm trying
0: to say. People are going to come here regardless.
1: You have no control over mobility of people in, yeah. in the housing markets or labor markets, for that matter. Unless you, unless you slash their tires. Yeah, right, right. Which will happen to me by yeah. the end of this. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> Vandals guy
0: here. No, but yeah, that, that makes sense. That's that's really interesting to hear that that's what's playing out here locally in the Treasure Valley. I imagine Nampa is similar to Boise, is similar to Eagle, is similar to Caldwell, mm-hmm. and all those cities. Um, and I have noticed, you mentioned the Snake River, but there are, they're throwing development developments in between Marcine and Melba that are blowing my mind.
1: Yeah, yeah. Where they have very exciting.
0: just huge swaths of houses being thrown in along the Snake River. It's a beautiful area out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I live in
1: Melba. Did you know that? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You, oh, you did mention that. You did mention yeah. that you live in Melba. But it's, it's really pretty out there, and they have all those, those houses that are getting stacked in right on that highway. But I've, I've, it just seems strange to me because it's so remote. Yes, But that's probably the only place that has been allowed to build developments to permit people to move in to right. the area.
1: Right, right. And I would argue because there's less people that see it. Okay. And there's less people being like, oh, okay. I, you know, if there's a development going in, you get those signs on the side of the road that say like public hearing notice. And so the le- the least amount of people that see those signs, the least amount of people that will show up to the meeting and then make the chairman of the planning and zoning committee or the mayor or the city council feel bad about approving a project because there's less people there telling them that they don't want that to happen. Mm. Like, I don't think it's the particularly the local politicians' fault because you have to do what your constituents want, right? And if True. your constituents show up and say, we don't want this development, like I, I understand. I understand why that's not happening. But what, what I'm more focused at is changing the ideology of, that every th- every economic positive that's happened in this valley the last ten years maybe mm-hmm. is because of the increased demand of people moving here. Uh, everyone's job has been effective. They're paying people more. There's more businesses to work for. There's more amenities to work for. Yeah. The infrastructure's improved because of the demand of people that have came. And so, to bite that hand, like you're, everyone's benefiting from that increased demand. Yeah. And so to, to bite that hand at a city council meeting just seems – it doesn't seem right to me.
0: Short-sighted again. Short-sighted again. Just like taking the increase in rents and then trying to put that on your tenant and increasing the rent by $500 a month all of a sudden.
1: Yeah, right, right, right.
0: It's not going to be good in the long run. In the long run. Well, right. in the long run, it's going to happen. I mean, sure. the, the eventually I'm sure that we'll be getting developers in here that have so much money it's not going to matter the opinions of the individuals because That's they'll right. be able to – grab up huge swaths of land at a value and then parse it out and resell it. I would just about imagine,
1: but maybe I'm wrong. No, I think that that's right. I think that's right. And we're seeing the developers. We can see when I go, I can tell if the the proposition or the plat map is going to get approved or something like that is going to happen based on the amount of lawyers in the room. Okay. You know what I mean? There's almost a direct correlation between how many lawyers are in the room and if it's gonna pass or not, you know. And so, like a Corey Barton Holmes comes in, and you're like, okay, these guys know what they're gonna do. Like they, they're they've dealt with these kind of people before, um, with these kind of uh, like development detractors before, and they're equipped. And so, another, another caution that I have is, if you would like mom and pop land, uh, la- excuse me, mom and pop landlords like mm-hmm. myself to come in and do a little bit of developing, have a few rentals, you know, make it short, and you're not dealing with a giant corporate head. And we need to support the developers that are smaller than a Corey Barton or a Coleman Homes.
0: That's a really good point because they can just come in there with the lawyers and, and make sure that anything passes because it would be too expensive for a small city council to, yeah, fight. to fight against that many lawyers.
1: Yeah, right, right. And so you will get a better housing product and a more thoughtful and a more um, like family-centered housing product in the valley if we support local landlords or local developers rather than making it so hard that the only people that are successful are the Jeff Bezos of land development, you know.
0: Yeah. So – because it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, it's something to think about. Something to think That's a really good point. That's a really good point. So uh, do you do property management for anybody then? Or? Yeah, I do. I do. We manage our rentals that we own ourselves. Okay. And then we also do like contract property managers for other um, property owners or real estate investors Okay. that we rent out there. How home.
0: can people get a hold of you if they need to use your services?
1: Yeah, my uh, email address is probably the best way. Uh, we have a Facebook page. It's Jase, J-A-S-E, Property Management. Um, so look that up on Facebook or send me an email. It's jace, J-A-S-E, p-m208 at gmail.com. Excellent.
0: Well, thanks so much for your time today, Austin. That was a great conversation. And listen to Austin go to those local meetings and, and push for development because otherwise we're going to have bigger corporations coming through and putting the developments in that we're fighting against
1: right now. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, Austin.
0: Thank you for listening to Treasure Valley Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share with your friends.